What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti of Panthers Wire hitting you guys back up as we're starting a new week. And we're getting ever so closer to the start of football. We're getting in the middle of June. OTAs are about to wrap up and we're getting ready for a little bit of vacation time, as it were, in the NFL. So things are going to quiet down a little bit. Uh, we're going to continue our divisional wraparounds, as it were, going through all the teams. Uh, but before we get back into that, just a couple of notes on the Panthers. Again, obviously things pretty quiet, but a couple couple interesting notes that came out. Uh, there, was, there was actually a report now that Kevon Seymour, the cornerback acquired from the Buffalo Bills last season, Looks right now to be the early favorite, as they put it, and this is a report from the Charlotte Observer, to start opposite James Bradbury. Uh, We talked before about Dante Jackson, how he had been getting some first-team reps, but Seymour lately has been getting more looks there. So it's looking like, uh, at least once we get into training camp, Seymour is going to start as as effectively the number two corner, but, you know, still expect Dante Jackson to be in the mix and get some reps. And if he performs well enough in the preseason, he could grab that starting spot away from Seymour. But for now, it looks like it is Bradbury and Seymour as the starting cornerbacks. Uh, Charlotte's are also reporting that the Panthers are expected to extend Extend Daryl Williams, the right tackle, before the start of the season. Of course, Daryl Williams had a real good season in 2017. Graded as one of the best best tackles, best right tackles in the league. In fact, uh, Pro Football Focus rated him the number three tackle in the league behind only David Bakhtiari and Joe Staley. Uh, Williams, of course, is entering a contract year. So it you know, certainly makes sense to try to lock him up before he hits the free agent market. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they can come to something, come to some kind of agreement and when it would happen. And then one more note, Charlotte Observer reporting that Curtis Samuel still not 100%. They said he slowly progressed throughout OTAs. You know, and of course, we're going now through getting ready to start mandatory minicam. So we'll probably, you know, with this being the last week before vacation, as it were, like I said, um, don't expect too much from Samuel. He'll likely give him some time to rest before we before we get into training camp. So certainly. Certainly some work to be done for Samuel, but six weeks six weeks of rest hopefully will do him do him some good. You know, it's obviously the progression has seemed to have been pretty positive. So, you know, getting some work in an OTAs, now getting getting a chance to rest. Training training camp is gonna be pretty important, I think, for him. You know, it's I, I don't know if you want to say he's on the bubble, but he, he could be, you know, there's, there's definitely those, 
those feeling that he is on the bubble. So, you know, especially with, obviously, your starters are locked in with Devin Funches, DJ Moore, and then uh, Demir Bird in the mix. So Samuel's got his work cut out for him. But, again, I th- in an impressive training camp and... Certainly the fact, too, that he was a second-round pick last year. You know, you don't often see teams pull the plug on a second-round pick so early unless it's an absolute lost cause. So he'll be uh, he'll be one to watch, for sure. So let's continue on with our divisional previews. And like I said on last time, uh, we'll skip the NFC South for now. We'll kind of, you know, obviously we've kind of touched on it before when we talked about the draft. Um, and we'll certainly, and we'll likely save that one for last. So we're going to move ahead to the NFC West, which is a very intriguing division this year. Obviously a lot of storylines throughout, and I think we have to start with the Los Angeles Rams, the defending division champions who had their breakout season last year under rookie head coach Sean McVay. Um, Rams, of course, had the number one offense in the league last year and only figure to get better on offense. Of course, Sammy Watkins is gone, but in comes Brandon Cooks. If you recall, the Rams, of course, acquired Brandon Cooks from the Patriots for their, I mean, there are a couple other picks involved in the trade, but of course the highlight was the Rams' first-round pick going to the Patriots. That pick wound up being Isaiah Wynn, number 23 overall. In fact, the Rams, of course, didn't have a first or second-round pick. They traded the second-round pick last offseason for Sammy Watkins, so it's kind of ironic how all that went down. But obviously the Rams were very busy, uh, including signing Andamakan Sue to a one-year deal. Um, also brought in Dominique Easley, uh, a guy who's been riddled with injuries but still, still has some talent. He just has to stay healthy. Um course use the franchise tag on LaMarcus Joyner of course you have Marcus Peters as well in, in the mix you know there's a lot of there's obviously a lot of talent on this roster you know you look at even if you look at this defense we've, we've talked a lot about the there's a lot of talk about the Rams offense and for good reason you know, we, we know there's a lot of talent there, but you look at the defense, too. I, th- I think with the way the offense broke out last season for the Rams, it kind of overshadows how good this defense is as well. You know, look at the look at the front line right now, the front three, because remember that the Rams running a 3-4 now under Wade Phillips. I mean, you've got Michael Brockers, you've got Dominican Sue, and you've got Aaron Donald. I mean... That is just an, a ridiculous front line. You know, Aaron Donald is 
maybe the best defensive, arguably the best defensive player, uh, best defensive tackle in the National Football League. And now you pair him with Ndamukong and Sue, and you know they've got some depth there too. I mean, Ethan Westbrooks has been a solid contributor. Again, Dominique Easley, if he can stay healthy, can help out. They signed Justin, or they drafted Justin Lawler, who was uh, who was a pretty pretty productive player at SMU. I mean, so they they've got they've got some a lot of talent on this front line. And then, um, you know, the back half of the front seven led by Mark Barron, who has really settled in at linebacker after, of course, starting his career at safety. But the Rams have, uh, the Rams have really worked well with him at linebacker. And then again, we talked about the secondary, you know, Marcus Peters at one corner, and then they traded for a keep to uh, and then you got LaMarcus Joyner and John Johnson at safeties. Uh, they signed Mikel Roby Coleman from the Bills. I mean, this uh, this defense looks like it's gonna it's gonna be really good. I mean, and again, it all it all starts up front. We saw we saw with the Philadelphia Eagles how a strong defensive line can really work wonders for an NFL team. And, you know, obviously the Rams are definitely going to kind of follow, follow that, uh, that blueprint as it were. So really looking forward to seeing how that offense or how that defense runs. And of course the, uh, the offense you know, definitely a lot of expectations now coming off being the number one offense in the league. Um, and now you have a, another another offseason with Sean McVay to see what more he can implement from last season. And then again, you know, obviously Brandon Cooks is the kind of the highlight there. And we've seen, I'm sure a lot of you out there have seen the videos that were on Twitter about how much McVeigh was just gushing over Cooks during some of these practices, gushing over his speed. So they're going to be fun to watch. I think they're, they're going to have some fun with Brandon Cooks. So before we jump into the next team, let's talk about jumping into bed at the right time, guys. Hey guys, so remember all those days when you were when you were ready to go, ready to jump back in like we do here, jumping into other teams? Well, now now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So here's the deal. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue, brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they're very effective. You can take them anytime, day or night, and you can even take them on the full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a regular pill, so you can be ready to go whenever the time comes. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in its discreet package. So there's no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and the best part, no awkwardness. They're made right here in the good old U.S. of A., 
And since they prepare and ship direct, Blue Chew is cheaper than a pharmacy. So right now we've got a special deal for you Locked On listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Promo code LOCKEDON at BlueChew.com to get your first shipment for free. You just have to pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's Blue Chew, blue as in the color blue, B-L-U-E, Chew, C-H-E-W, dot com, and promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get your first shipment for free. You just have to pay $5 in shipping. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's head over to the city by the bay, San Francisco, and talk about the 49ers, who really finished last season on quite a flourish. Uh, Once Jimmy Garoppolo came in as a starting quarterback, the 49ers really seemed to take off. I believe they finished winning, what, six out of of ten, something like that, Uh, because they finished... I believe 6-10, when at one point this team was, I think they started 0-8 if I remember correctly, 0-8, 0-9, something like that. Um, but Garoppolo comes in and the offense really seems to take off. Uh, of course, he was rewarded there by getting that, by getting his big contract. And now it's all about trying to surround him as best they can that included going out and signing a couple offensive linemen and free agency including center weston richburg which i think was one of their better signings really protecting the interior now i also brought in i also acquired lakin tomlinson from the lions if i remember correctly um well, previously they, had, but you have Tomlinson, you have Tomlinson in in, in check, Ernto at one guard, Josh Garnett at the other, uh, Joe Staley of course sitting at one tackle, and then you have your first round pick in Mike McGlinchey. Um, there was a lot of talk about the first round pick possibly being a defensive player, maybe linebacker. Of course, Roquan Smith wasn't available for the 49ers. At number nine, as he was taken by the Bears at eight, but Tremaine Edmonds was still there, and you know he had the corners like Minka Fitzpatrick. But they decided to go with Mike McGlinchey, and it makes sense. You give Jimmy Garoppolo all that money, that big contract, you're going to want to protect him. So it makes a lot of sense that McGlinchey was the pick here at number nine, which of course was. The second Notre Dame offensive lineman selected in the top 10 after Quentin Nelson went at number 6 to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Of course, he also went out and signed Jarek McKinnon as a free agent from the Minnesota Vikings. You've got him and, of course, Pierre Garçon, Marquise Goodwin at receiver, and then also a couple of drafted receivers including Dante Pettis in the second round and there's a lot of 
lot of love for Dante Pettis. A real good route one route runner. In fact, Brad Kelly, someone you could follow, check him out on the uh, Cover One NFL Draft podcast with Russell Brown, actually had Dante Pettis as his number one wide receiver in this draft class. So I think there's going to be some exciting times there. Garoppolo to Dante Pettis. And then Richie James out of Middle Tennessee, their seventh-round pick. Very, very underrated, very sleeperish type receiver. So building something good here in San Francisco. And then, of course, on defense, you know, front line still looks strong with Eric Armstead, Earl Mitchell, DeForest Buckner, and Solomon Thomas. Um, then you go to linebacker. The big news, of course, is Reuben Foster getting cleared pretty much of all charges. Um, so it, obviously there was a lot of – his future was very clouded, to say the least, after all the legal drama he was in. But it looks like a lot of that is behind him. And now he's ready to go. And he's, you've got uh, Eli Harold and Malcolm Smith uh, flanking him. They also drafted Fred Warner out of BYU, a very athletic, very, uh, just a very good linebacker in general. Um, Got him in the third round. And then secondary, which includes, of course, free agent signing Richard Sherman after he was released by the Seattle Seahawks. So obviously when the 49ers and Seahawks play each other, that's going to be Quite interesting seeing Sherman against his former team. Then you've got Akella Witherspoon, who had a pretty good rookie season last year at the other corner. And then Jaquiski Tart, good safety. Then Jimmy Ward um, probably can... Uh, he's certainly been up and down since being a first-round pick in 2014. There's a lot of buzz about the 49ers being a sleeper playoff team it's possible i don't know you know are they ready to make that jump that quick they could they could definitely contend for a wild card you know if they're able to carry over that momentum that they built from last season over to next season they've got a chance i I think they have a chance to compete for a wild card spot and certainly the schedule makers are well aware that the niners are a team on the rise. They got a couple of primetime games, um, including, I believe, look it up real quick. I believe they play the Packers and the Giants in uh, in primetime this season. Just looking that up real quick here. Yeah, they've got a Monday night game at Green Bay in week six. And then a Sunday night home game against the Rams in Week 7. Then their Thursday night game is against the Raiders. Uh, Probably the the last time we'll see the Niners and the Raiders in the Bay Area matchup uh, in the regular season. With the Raiders likely moving to Las Vegas probably in 2019. And then Week 10 is the home Monday night game. 
against the Giants. They've also got a Sunday night game at Seattle week 13. So they've got a lot of, they've got quite a bit of primetime games for a team that was picking in the top 10 of the draft last season. But again, it just shows that, you know, the, the schedule makers are aware that the 49ers are building something good here and they want to want to showcase that. And that's really the one of the main goals of the schedule makers is showcasing those good teams and kind of spreading the love a little bit. Let's talk now about Seattle. Uh, it's really kind of strange to talk about the Seahawks and not talk about them as being the class of the NFC, or at least in the upper echelon of the NFC. But without a doubt, this is a team that, you know, maybe isn't so much really rebuilding, um, you know, more retooling a little bit, but there's definitely, definitely some holes in this roster, definitely some some pieces where they're where they're going to be weak. I mean, they've spent the last couple of years being weak on the offensive line. And we talked back, we talked about the Packers and Jimmy Graham, how that trade kind of blew up a bit on the Seahawks, you know, not that Graham was completely ineffective for the Seahawks, but they, they never really utilized him as best as they probably could have. And I uh, really left the whole, and their offensive line that they're still trying to figure out. You know, you do have Dwayne Brown at left tackle, but it's really kind of been a plug-and-play elsewhere. You, know, you do bring in DJ Fluker at one guard spot. Uh, Ethan Pochick, the former Kentucky center, is in the mix. Justin Britt there. And then they're trying to still see if Jermaine Effetti, the first-round pick from 2016, is going to stick. They also drafted Jamarco Jones there to kind of try to give themselves some help and some depth on the offensive line. Uh, speaking of tight ends, you know, former Panther Ed Dixon is now in the mix. Also drafted Will Disley out of Washington, who some said is the best blocking tight end in this class, but right now the lead, the lead man at the position is probably going to be Nick Vanett, the third round pick in 2016. Of course, the big surprise for the Seahawks was who they took in the first round of the draft, and that was Rashad Penny, the running back out of San Diego State. Um, Seattle looks like they're going to be a team, especially now with. You know, with Tom Cable still in the mix as uh, offensive line coach. Or, I'm sorry, he's with... I don't know why. Scratch that. Tom Cable's with the Raiders. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, you know, not... Well, he used to be with the Seahawks. And, you know, it's not like he's the best at finding talent. And now he's going to have a lot of fun with uh, Colton Miller there in Oakland. But, uh, this... Going back to the Seahawks, I apologize for that. This is a team that does sound like they're going to run the ball more, uh, so they needed some needed some more juice there. 
it's just surprising that Penny went because no one re- we didn't really expect Penny to go this high, especially for a guy that has had issues pass blocking. But you know, n- nonetheless, good good for Penny. You know, he's he's obviously, and we know how productive a runner he is. He was he was putting up over a thousand yards even when Donnell Pumphrey was still there getting all these yards. And then, of course, Penny rushed for over 2,000 yards last season. It's just tough right now that he doesn't really have an offensive line to run behind. And, of course, just recently the Seahawks signed Brandon Marshall. Yes, that Brandon Marshall, the former Denver Bronco, Miami Dolphins, Chicago Bear, New York Giant. Now he's with the Seahawks. Of course, joining guys, joining a group that's already that already has that also has Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett still in place. Remember, they did lose Paul Richardson though, as he signed with the Redskins as a free agent, and Richardson was really coming into his own. So, going to be interesting to see how they how they try to replace uh, Richardson's production. And then looking at the defense, and obviously, as a lot of you are, I'm sure, aware now if you've been following the NFL this offseason, the Legion of Boom is done. Because, obviously, a couple of players are already gone. You know, the only players that are, really, the only players that are left are Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas. And Cam Chancellor is still battling, I believe, a neck injury. So his status is up in the air, and Earl Thomas is now going to hold out of OTAs and wouldn't be surprising now if he holds out of training camp as he looks for a new contract as he enters a contract year. So here come the rumblings and the and the chirping again that maybe Earl Thomas gets traded to the Dallas Cowboys, if you recall. After last season, it was overheard that Earl Thomas said something along the lines of, if you want to come get me, get me, or something like that. Basically, almost insinuating that if the Cowboys, and we figured it was about the Dallas Cowboys, because of course, the Cowboys are Thomas's hometown team. Remember, he went to the University of Texas. So, kind of insinuating that if the Cowboys want to get him, they could. There was rumors that uh, the Cowboys would maybe offer their second-round pick in the draft for Earl Thomas. That obviously didn't happen. Now here we go again. But Shaquille Griffin at one corner, Nico Thorpe at the other. At least they're the starters right, the listed starters right now. Shaquille Griffin it's perform- had a pretty good rookie season. Now likely going to get it. Continue to get a shot to start. But it was real cool now to see that Shaquille Griffin will now get to play with his brother, Shaquem Griffin. The linebacker out of Central Florida. We all know the story. Um, It's almost like it was meant to be that Shaq Griffin would be drafted by the Seahawks to play with his twin brother. You know, these two are... The two twins are almost inseparable you know they're they're so close um and i got a chance to see him down at the senior bowl 
and he was at the introductory press conference. And that was one of the questions that was asked of him is about his relationship with his brother. And he just gushed on how close he is to his twin brother. And then, of course, they interviewed NFL Network interviewed the two of them together after Shaquem was drafted by the Seahawks. They brought them both to their stage and got to talk to him. So it was a real great moment. You know, and even as a football player, we know how fast Griffin is. He had a 4 4 40. Um, obviously, tackles very well. So I think he could be a. Well, right now, he'll be a depth piece at linebacker and probably could make it. Make a name for himself on special teams as well. So that'll be interesting to watch. But as far as um, the starters, you know, especially linebacker, Bobby Wagner and KJ, KJ Wright have really taken on the role now of being the leaders of this defense. And then you've got Barkevius Mingo listed at the other linebacker spot. And then up front, you got Frank Clark and rookie, rookie Rasheem Green in the mix. Deion Jordan there as well. Marcus Smith at the end. And then some guys up front, uh, Jerron Reed and Nazir Jones up up front in the middle. Um, remember, they did draft Malik McDowell last year in the second round, but a lot of issues for him. So hard to really say now how McDowell is going to fit. They also signed Puna Ford as an undrafted free agent. Puna Ford... This is a guy that'll get after it from his from the tackle position. He was real good at Texas, real quick on the ball. The only downside to Puna Ford really is that he's just so small. I mean, he's only about five eleven, you know, and that's that's obviously not tall at all when it comes to uh, defensive tackle. But maybe it'll help because you know we. Um, you know, because we the the key with defensive tackle is low man wins. So I so it could certainly work to his advantage. So if you're looking for kind of a an under the radar deep sleeper type player on this team, there's your guy. But overall, I think you know and. With Russell Wilson, the quarterback, the way he carries that offense, Seattle's probably going to be in the mix. I mean, without, I mean, let, let's face it, Russell Wilson really was the whole reason Seattle was even in position to make the playoffs. Of course, they missed out on the playoffs, but again, it's because of the play of Russell Wilson that they were even in the mix come Week 17, and certainly he's he's going to have to do it again, but. Between him and Pete Carroll, Seattle's going to be in the mix. Are they going to make the playoffs? I don't know. Obviously, the Rams are going to be real tough to beat. And the Niners are up and coming. And even the Arizona Cardinals, um, they are quite quite the wild card. You know, and, and it, it's going to be tough. But... It still wouldn't surprise me if 
you know, come week 16, week 17, Seattle's right there in the mix for the last playoff spot in the NFC. But let's let's move on. Let's finish this up with Arizona. Like I said, quite quite the wild card. Um, Sam Bradford, now the starting quarterback, at least for the time being, after they gave him a uh, two-year contract. All right, actually, I believe it was a one-year contract, but I know it was he's getting 15 million guaranteed. Obviously, the question is, how long is Sam Bradford going to be there? And, you know, obviously, health has never been the strong point of Sam Bradford. But, of course, it's also a matter of one of the guys behind Bradford on the depth chart. And that, of course, was 10th overall pick Josh Rosen, the quarterback out of UCLA, whom the Cardinals traded up to get after Rosen kind of slipped through the cracks. And of course, Rosen then came out with a quote first saying um, how he wants to prove that there were nine mistakes in reference to the nine teams in front of the Cardinals that passed on Josh Rosen. Then he kind of, he kind of changed it up then. And it's kind of the reason why, I, I believe this is kind of the reason why too he chose number three as his jersey number in reference to the three quarterbacks that were selected ahead of him in the NFL draft. Of course, Baker Mayfield went number one overall to the Browns. The Jets took Sam Darnold at number three, and then the Bills traded up to number seven to get Josh Allen before Josh Rosen finally came off the board. So he feels now he has a lot to prove. Um, it'll be interesting in in Arizona and then, they also kind of the Cardinals really seem to build for now and the future in terms of the offense, kind of building around Josh Rosen because I believe only because they only ended up with one draft pick on defense, and that was Christian Campbell, the cornerback out of Penn State. Now they did sign a lot of defensive players as college free agents, but Campbell was the only draft pick on defense. A lot of their other picks were offense, including Texas A&M wide receiver Christian Kirk in the second round, uh, Michigan center Mason Cole in the third, Fordham running back Chase Edmonds in the fourth, and Corey Cunningham, the wide receiver out of or I'm sorry, the offensive tackle out of Cincinnati in the seventh round. So really kind of building up that offense. Uh, in terms of what they have now, obviously Larry Fitzgerald back for his 15th NFL season, and you know he just never slows down. He's just a joy to watch, and he's going to be one of those players that will really be missed when he ultimately retires. Uh, DJ Humphreys has really come into his own now at left tackle, especially now that Jared Veld here was traded to, I believe, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, the Denver Broncos. Um, 
He also signed Justin Pugh as a free agent to help man the middle middle of that defense. Or middle of the off, offensive line, excuse me. One of the big stories, of course, is David Johnson. Ended up missing all of last season with that hand injury, hand injury that he suffered in week one last year. He's back in tow. Really going to be excited, exciting to see him, see him back in action. Um, also signed Derek, Derek Coleman in free agency at fullback. I think the tight end position is going to be interesting too. You know, Ricky Seals Jones was a guy that the Cardinals seemed pretty intrigued by, and he flashed a little bit at points last season. You know, it's just a matter now if, if he can stay consistent. And you've got Jermaine Gresham, who has been steady. He's been kind of trouting along over a. Uh, over the last few years. But, you know, at, at least now it's a new offense. You know, Mike McCoy now an offensive coordinator. So no more, um, no more Bruce Arians offense or the tight end is virtually non-existent. Of course, you know, all the best to, all the best to Bruce Arians in his retirement. Now it's, of course, another Panthers connection here. Steve Wilkes, the former, Defensive coordinator, now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And he, of course, as well as new defensive coordinator Al Holcomb, inherited a, uh, a pretty good defense. And of course, you're, he did lose a couple pieces, including Teron Matthew, who's now with the Houston Texans. But Buda Baker, I think, is really going to be one of those breakout second-year players next to Antoine Bethea. And then, of course, you got Patrick Peterson and Brandon Williams at corners. Uh, Hassan, Hassan Reddick, Josh Burns, and Dan Buchanan at linebackers. You know, Reddick had a pretty solid rookie season. And then Chandler Jones leading the charge along the defensive line. Chandler Jones actually led the league in sacks last year if I am not mistaken, as he had as he had uh, 17 sacks last season for the Cardinals. Uh, and then, of course, you've got uh, Marcus Golden, the former second-round pick, listed at the other D, D end. And then Corey Peters and Olsen Pierre listed as the Starting defensive tackles, you know, again, using our lads here, which, again, our lads is, to me, it's been very re reliable. I love it. Uh, Robert Kendiche in the mix there as well, the former first-round pick. Like I said, I think this is a, uh, this is quite a wild-card team. You know, starting life after Carson Palmer, who retired, again, now you have Sam Bradford in the mix. He also brought in Mike Glennon as one of the backups. Really going to be tough to say how this Cardinals team is going to be. Obviously, they were pretty 
I mean, they were so-so last year, but there's definitely some pieces. I I think the Justin Pugh signing, though, was pretty good because this was an offensive line that wasn't the greatest. Um, and then you have Andre Smith listed as the right tackle, and Andre Smith has really been up and down, to say the least. So really going to be really kind of tough to pinpoint how this Cardinals team is going to be. And again, given, given the strength of this division, um, I said, you know, wouldn't be surprising if they compete. It also wouldn't be surprising. And it's probably more likely, maybe a little more likely that the Cardinals actually finish at the bottom of this division. Just because, you know, we, we all expect the Rams to win the division, and you know, obviously, if I'm picking right now, the Rams, Rams would be my division champ. The Niners are going to be in the mix. The Seahawks are always in the mix. So, you know, it it could be tough sledding at times for the Cardinals. So, with that, I think we'll wrap things up here. Let's look at the NFC West. Uh, next time, we'll jump over to the AFC. We'll start with the AFC East. Um, you know. Shouldn't be hard to figure out who is projected to win that one. But we'll talk about the teams in the AFC East and just get one step closer to actually talking some real live football. So as always, I want to thank you guys for listening. Really do appreciate it. This is Bill Rossetti for the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time right here on LOP. Until then, take care, my friends.